0: Hi everyone. I'm Emily Crow, Multimedia Editor at Progressive Grocer. Welcome to Top Women in Grocery, a podcast focused on the trends, topics, and interests that move women forward in grocery retail. We're spotlighting extraordinary women in the grocery industry who have had successful careers and interesting lives, and who are also making a positive impact in their workplaces and in their communities. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest. Suzanne Long serves as Chief Sustainability and Transformation Officer for Albertson's Companies and is responsible for driving both the company's ESG strategy and the transformation of associate engagement for the company's retail operations. Suzanne has been chosen as one of this year's top women in grocery and is also becoming one of our Twig Hall of Famers. We're here to discuss the importance of sustainability initiatives, predictive ordering, associate engagement, mentorship, and much more. Suzanne, it's an honor to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Well, to start, I'm hoping you can tell us a bit about your career journey and how you landed in your current role as Chief Sustainability and Transformation Officer at Albertsons Companies.
1: Well, so the first thing I have to tell you is it's such an incredible honor to be a part of TWIG and to be in um, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. So, 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 Thank you so much to Progressive Insurance. we're that. so happy to have you. <laughs> um, actually, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting story how I actually got into my current role. So my background is actually business improvement and Lean Six Sigma and transformational change. Um, it, it isn't necessarily a background in sustainability, right? And so, um, you know, I started my career actually in consulting with Accenture. And then I actually worked for old Albertsons. And what a lot of people don't know is that old Albertsons is actually a completely different company than the Albertsons companies that exist today. Everything from the ownership, legal structure, companies that comprise it, it's a completely different company. But I worked for Albertsons back in the early 2000s. Okay. And in that job, what I, I did business improvement. I worked within technology, for example, redesigning business processes, um, I started up Lean Six Sigma within that organization, um, and then when we were acquired, or part of our business was acquired by SuperValue, I continued on that journey, and then I actually left to join a consulting firm again and lead others through the Lean Six Sigma and business improvement journey, and then returned to Albertsons Companies when it was only 200 stores and three billion dollars in sales back wow. in 2012, and within just two short years, we had acquired enough other businesses. Um, to actually make us close to the size we are today. We were about 2,500 stores and $65 billion in sales by 2015. And my job was integration. And so I did what I call a stitch the company quilt together um, to to be able to enable us to operate as we do today. Um, And then a few years ago, I was actually asked to start what we call strategic sourcing, which is all of the goods and services we buy for our business that we don't sell to customers. Okay. And so, when you think about what that includes, it's the gloves on our deli um, service clerks, right? It's the bags at the front end of our stores. It's the light, or the energy that powers our lights. It's our waste hauling. It's our maintenance, right? It's it's a it's all of the things we spend money on, but that we don't sell to customers. And when you think about that footprint, that makes up the majority of our sustainability footprint, right? What is our plastics and packaging? I also had own brand sourcing, for example. So um, What, you know, what front end bags are we using, right? How much energy are we using? Uh, How much refrigerant, right, are we using and what type of refrigerant? And so all of these things that make up our carbon footprint and our sustainability footprint were in my purview. And so I was asked actually to create our ESG or sustainability Mm -hmm. strategy as part of that job. And then over the course of the following year, um, uh, handed off the strategic sourcing part to someone else. And now I'm focused on sustainability. And then the transformation part is about transforming um, our frontline cultural right. experience with our company. And so it, I would say it's a very circuitous route, you know, that it took me to where I am today, but I couldn't be happier. And it's a great illustration of why when you're, you know, when you're doing sustainability, well, it's better for business. And when you're doing your business better, it's more sustainable for the planet. Um, So it's not a traditional path, but I'm super glad for, for how it's, you know, how it's led me to where
0: I am today. Yeah. It sounds like a culmination of a lot of full circle moments. Exactly. Exactly. Great. Well, I'm hoping you can also tell us a bit more about the different business aspects that your job encompasses. It sounds like it's a pretty big job, but one that makes sense considering all of the experience you have.
1: Yeah. And it's it's funny um, looking at it. There's so many things that we do in our business that people may not actually necessarily immediately think have to do with sustainability. Um, And that's actually, to me, the power of it and 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 why I enjoy it so much. So, we have what we call our recipe for change. And what that is, is it's our environmental social governance, right? ESG strategy. Mm-hmm. But since ESG sounds like alphabet soup to most people, we call it recipe for change. Mm-hmm. And it focuses on four areas it focuses on the planet, on people, on product, and on communities. And then in each of those areas, we've actually set we have we have primary areas of focus and we've set specific targets so for example let's just think about the planet piece that's really a lot about we call it climate action energy and emissions right when you think about a grocery store if you walk in your mind's eye into your grocery store think about first of all the size of the building right right and then think about the lights are on and there's all of these refrigeration and you know refrigerators and freezers throughout the footprint. And there's ovens on and technology on, and it consumes a lot of energy, right? In the grocery industry, we consume a lot of energy. And then you even think further about the amount of refrigeration that exists. I mean, it's literally in every department, right? It's right. in the bakery and the service deli and the produce department and center store. And right, I mean, I could go on, right? The meat department, it's everywhere. And refrigerants aren't intended to leak, but they do, you know, just like any pipe in your house could leak at you know, a certain point. And when refrigerants get out into the atmosphere, they're bad for the climate. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about something as simple as um, this climate action focus so energy and emissions focus, when we think about things that cost us a lot of money on our P&L, we think about things like refrigeration, right, the maintenance of that, the amount of that, right, and then energy, Right. Well, by reducing those things, we are we also reduce our carbon footprint. And then you can take that similar story and translate it to the other three areas that I was mentioning. Right. right? Plastics and packaging. How much of that are we using? How sustainably are we sourcing the products that we cho- that we have in our own brands portfolio? Mm-hmm. Um, how effective are we at recruiting and retaining diverse talent and diverse actually having a very broad definition? Right. Um, and then you think about things like um, community stewardship, right, and making sure that we're actually taking the food that we're unable to sell but is still extremely edible and delicious mm-hmm. and getting it into the mouths of those who need it. So what I love about my job is no two days are the same, right? It is—it's a – I'll call it a entrepreneur's paradise because – no one's actually fixed and solved all of these things and so every day we're we're solving problems and and problems that actually have a impact not just on our business but on on our greater
0: communities right it is a big job but one with a lot of <laughs> solutions it sounds that's like right. that's right <laughs> yes. well i'd like to speak with you a little more in depth about sustainability since it's it's no secret that incorporating more sustainable practices into the industry is table stakes today i mean you already explained so much about that can you tell us about Albertson's predictive ordering and inventory, inventory management rollout with Afresh Technologies earlier this year? How was that specific decision made and how has implementation been going? Well so afresh
1: is a it's a really incredible technology actually and it uses artificial intelligence or you know ai mm-hmm. to be able to basically constantly improve the way we order and if you think about for example our produce departments which is where we've really focused on um, that initial rollout is you know tradition would be we would use mostly experience of those working in our stores to know hey it is A certain season or holiday, and people in my community like to, you know, make watermelon bowls at the 4th of July, Mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, sweet potato casserole at Thanksgiving. But they also had to sort of guess how much of those products they should bring into the store so that there was, I'll call it an abundant amount or a reasonable Mm -hmm. amount for customers to choose from, but also not such abundance that we were wasting food at the end of the day. And so rather than trying to use sort of just experience, because one of the things that we also know about our industry is, you know, we have amazing associates who are with us literally for decades in some cases, but we have other associates who are only with us for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And so they never actually get the chance to build up in some cases that experience to know what season is coming up and how much to buy. And so using technologies like Afresh enable us to actually write orders That where the system is actually telling us, hey, based on your sales, on your inventory, on, you know, how much you've typically used and and what is in season right now and specific to to that store, not even saying in general, but specific to that store and then helping those associates write better orders. It's actually helping to address food waste at the source, because the best first thing we can do is not have food waste to begin with. Right. right. We we can also choose to do really incredible things with the food waste. You know, once it's been created, but the first thing we want to do is minimize it to begin with. And so, Afresh has been a, a big part of that. And it's also a reminder that the same things that help us reduce, shrink, and improve gross margin in our business are also the very things that actually help us improve
0: our sustainability footprint. Right. It seems like the ROI on a technology like that goes far beyond what people see immediately. Absolutely. And,
1: and, you know, it's not dissimilar to when you go grocery shopping every week, right? Um, You do your best to Mm -hmm. estimate how much food you need and what you're going to use and what you're going to make for dinner. And right. Um, So imagine doing that for we have 34 million Americans who shop in our stores every week. And most of us don't know what we're having for dinner tonight. I don't know about you. I certainly don't. Right. And somehow I'm expecting to walk into my grocery store and expect that there will be enough variety of product that I can make that choice. Well, just like when we buy food for our homes and we don't always use all of the food in our homes, or we don't use it when we think we will, mm-hmm. that's the same struggle we have in a grocery store. And Afresh is helping us to solve that problem.
0: It's an interesting way of putting it. Well, how else is Albertsons working toward reaching its goal of sending zero food waste to the landfill by 2030?
1: Well, as we just talked about, right, the Mm -hmm. first thing we have to do is actually try to reduce the amount of food waste we create to begin with, right? Um, Sending those demand signals in a better and more effective way Mm -hmm. and getting smarter as we go, right? But then once we have food that's in our stores... Now we need to do everything we possibly can to sell it, right? And, and I'm incented the same way everyone in our business is. You know, mm-hmm. I want people buying their calories from us, right? right? I want I want them shopping in our stores. And so the first thing we want to do is sell everything we possibly can. Um, and then if we can't sell it at full price, we want to have markdown programs mm-hmm. that enable us to, um, you know, as that food gets closer and closer to maybe not being sellable anymore, Um, There can be any number of reasons for that. Giving people a chance to actually buy it at a reduced price. You know, maybe that's a markdown on a bakery rack or a coupon that's on a piece of meat um, and allowing them the chance to maybe buy that at a reduced price. Then what we want to do is try and get anything that we can't sell that's edible into the mouth of someone who needs it. Right. And when you think this is what's incredible about this, not only in that case, are you feeding a hungry neighbor? But it doesn't cost you anything right. to donate, right. right? I mean, we don't think about it a lot, but waste hauling costs a lot of money, yeah. right? There's and and we don't think about waste once it crosses that threshold of the trash can, we don't think about it anymore. When it goes down your garbage disposal, it's gone from our from mm-hmm. our line of sight, right? And so, but there's a lot of edible food in the world that maybe can't be sold for co dating reasons or other reasons, right? Um, maybe it's an imperfect apple or things like that. We want to make sure to get that in the mouths of those who need it. Then if we can't donate it for one reason or another, we want to do everything we can to keep it out of landfill. And so whether that's composting where it turns into a soil enhancement or animal feed or um, biofuels or whatever it may be, we try to keep it out of landfill. And then currently, some of it still does go to landfill, Mm -hmm. Um, but but our goal is to have zero food waste going to landfill by the year 2030. And so we have to think about things all along that chain to enable that to happen.
0: Right. Well, speaking of sustainability, I'm curious what you see as the key to achieving more sustainable practices across the grocery industry. I think it has a lot to do
1: with collaboration. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have a tendency because we're also fiercely competitive right. in the grocery industry, right? You know, like I said, I want people buying their calories right. from us, right? I mean, that's that is that's innate to me working at Albertsons companies. Mm-hmm. But what that has a tendency to make us do is reinvent the wheel, solve the same problem over and over and over again, and yet to the communities and to the broader planet that we live on, those problems. We should not be salt. We should not be recreating wheels. We should be combining our collective effort and figuring out what's the best way to do it. Now, to me, where the competitive edge comes in is how well you execute on that. Yeah, it's not in the idea itself. And so, um, using the example actually of code dating, um, there are a wide variety of practices and standards that are used by CPG companies, by retailers, um, and even we are legislated even in local communities as to, you know, when you see a best buy, best Mm -hmm. if used by, freeze by, right, sell by, all of those things, you know, most delicious by, right, Right. whatever whatever it may be that those words use, um, there are different interpretations of what that means. And many people believe, for example, that food is no longer safe to consume as of those dates. And in the majority of cases, the large majority of cases, that is simply not true. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's something where we can be partnering as an industry to try and create more uniformity and consumer understanding Mm -hmm. of what those things mean and actually helping to say, boy, if we can't sell it for some reason, please at least let us donate it. And there are places where there are even concerns about being able to donate food like that, even though it is perfectly safe to consume. Mm-hmm. I mean, I joke around that I have I have food in my fridge that is frighteningly old on the code date and still is incredibly delicious. Okay, yeah. and I consume yeah. it every single day. Same here. Um, and so I think partnering as an industry to solve problems like that. And, and treating each other as collaborators mm-hmm. to solve the problem, even though we're competitors in how well we bring it to life in our stores. So that, that's what I would really like to see change.
0: Great. Well, looking at a different part of your role, transformation related to associate engagement is something that you focus on at Albertsons. How have you and your team worked to change the employee experience and improve store level retention?
1: Well, we're really, I would say, getting started at the transformation side of this. So there's there are blocking and tackling things we have to be good at in our business every day. Right. How how welcome do you feel when you start with our, you know, with our company? How 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 effective are we at training you to do your job? Right. Um, How much do we make you feel like you're part of a team that you're not just on your own figuring it out? Um, how do we celebrate you and reward and recognize you over time? And then, but most importantly to me, um, how do we make you feel connected to where you live and work? You know, my part of the joy that I have in working for Albertsons, it is it is my Albertsons family. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have, you know, my my children are now both in college, right? So I'm an empty nester. Many of the people that I work with knew me when I was pregnant, right yeah. and they they've seen my children grow up you know they've known when you know they're you know we moved into a new home right or you know when something joyful or even something sad happens mm-hmm. and there is this beautiful bond that we see among associates who stay with us right that they find their best friends at work and they call it their work family, yeah. right? We spend more time at work than we do oftentimes. We sure family. Do. And so creating those connections is really important. Some people do that very naturally, but other people need help and support to create that environment. And as we all know, the last few years have not been conducive to that environment, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to see someone smile when they have a mask on. Yeah. It's hard to, it's, and, and then you have attrition, right? And that creates further disconnection Right. And so, what we're trying to do is not just focus on it's very important to get the fundamentals right, right? The hiring, the onboarding, the rewarding, the recognizing. But to us, it's about what is it that creates human connection and how can we find micro ways? Because, you know, we have 270,000 frontline associates, micro ways that allow us to connect with them or allow them to connect with their community. And community, I'm using a very broad definition. Sure. Yes, it might be helping, you know, the person who needs help, but it may be just helping a fellow associate or, mm-hmm. right, being a part of something larger. I think I think if we can create that connection, all of a sudden, um, we transform an industry. And by the way, we make the 34 million Americans who, who walk into our stores, we make their lives better too, because it will show up in how they see us, um,
0: you know, a smile or, you know, hello. It's that big community like you talked about. Yeah, well, switching gears, we love talking about mentorship here on the Twig Podcast. How were you impacted by your own mentors, and do you speak seek out specific mentorship opportunities with you know those who are still coming up through the ranks?
1: Gosh, you know, mentorship to me is is um, you hear so much about it, mm-hmm. uh, right, and the importance of it. Um, and I think I had a tendency early on to think about it very much as a formal. Thing. Yeah. You know, who is your mentor? Mm-hmm. And I think as I've developed in my career, what I found is that the mentor relationships, at least for me, are more about finding the connection and the, the connections with people who I admire, who I see some behavior that they do, that I would like to be able to reflect as well. And so it's a little less like you know, will you be my mentor, mm-hmm. right? You know, <laughs>
0: um, reminds me of the feels kids, be, right? You know, are you my mother, right? Are you <laughs> right. my mentor, right? It um, does feel so formal sometimes. It yeah, it feels
1: so formal, and I think it can be far more informal than mm-hmm. that. And and it can be as much um, about identifying the people and the behaviors you want to see and mimicking those and creating um, relationships with those people with whom you mm-hmm. see that connection um, and those behaviors. But sometimes. There's a bit of mentoring um, in a in a different kind of way that's about knowing what behaviors you don't want to exhibit. Yeah. Who are you not going to be? Um, and and even though that person may not be someone that you want to be your mentor, by providing you a glimpse into. Gosh, I think I would have handled that differently. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, even that's a form of—I mean, I hate to call it mentoring, but yeah. it's—it's a—it's a sign of recognition that boy, I am going to do that different when I get there. It's, it's still a learning experience. It's still a learning experience. Yeah. So I'm, and I'm, I'm really, um, I am, and I am—I am really—I think for women in particular, um, you know, the further along you get in your career, the more you realize how much network matters. And I don't mean network in the superficial sense. I mean network in the build relationships. That is it's you know, the 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 mentoring comes in my mind, in some cases, as much from the people who may actually be less senior as the ones who are more because you see in them something that sparks joy, interest, new ideas. Um, So so I think that mentoring I think about as a very broad definition and something you should just be seeking out in every
0: person that you meet every day. I love that. That's a really interesting way of looking at it that I don't think people do necessarily. It can go both ways. It can be a good or a bad. There's, there's a lot more to it than we think. That's right. That's right. Right. Well, you, like I mentioned, are one of Progressive Grocer's Top Women in Grocery honorees, and also one of our Hall of Famers this year. What does it mean to you to be a top woman in grocery? And what advice do you have for other women still looking to grow and flourish in the industry? Well I, I mean, I can't emphasize enough what an
1: honor it is to be a part of it because I look around at the women in our industry, and I'm floored every day Phenomenal. by the incredible things that they do for one another, for their customers, you know, and and um, so to be among them is um, it, it's 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 incredibly humbling, to be honest. Um, and for women who are trying, you know, to continue to build their careers and grow and develop, um, you know, I, I think the, the, the hardest thing for me has always been taking risk. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I naturally am a planner. I, I like knowing what direction I'm going mm-hmm. and having a sense, and I don't have to have every detail button down, but I need to know, I need to feel confident in, yeah. in the direction. Yeah. And, um, What I found actually is it's the times when I am most uncomfortable, that I grow the most, that I learn the most, that um, I'm pushed to try things that might be out of my comfort zone, but round me out in ways that I wouldn't naturally gravitate toward. Um, I mean, that was true when you know, I ran the integrations. No, I had never run an an integration of, you know, that size. It was the largest acquisition in food and drug history in the US, right? We acquired Safeway. And, you know, I dove in headfirst to the, you know, into almost into the shallow end. (laughs) Um, And, and so, but all of these, you know, sustainability was not my background. Um, But diving in on that Lean Six Sigma, not my background, dove in on that. And, Those were the salient moments as I look back in my career where I grew the most because I was most uncomfortable Mm -hmm. feeling I didn't know it, but because I didn't know it. And if you embrace that, by the way, you have to be willing to say, I don't know, but I want to learn. Mm -hmm. If you can do that, not try to be the smartest person in the room, but try to be the biggest learner in the room, then that's just where opportunity
0: unlocks itself. I love that. Wonderful. Well, Suzanne, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and for being here with us today. I'm so glad to be here, and I just can't wait to celebrate with the other tweet winners. Well, we will see you in November then. For more information about the Top Women in Grocery podcast, please visit www.progressivegrocer.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe to this series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Finally, do you have an idea for a Twig podcast topic? We'd love to hear from you. Email me at ecrow at ensembleiq.com. See you next time. And thanks so much for listening.